Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name is Travis Jones and I'm here with Jason Barrett. How are you doing today, Jace? Doing well, man. Doing well. I feel like I say that every week, but uh, every day is a, it's a great day to have a good day. 100% dude. And this is episode three. And episode three today, we are talking everything about habits. And I think, you know, when we look at this, habits are the most crucial thing to success in anything in your life or any part of your life you're trying to push forward. And I think one of my favorite quotes around this is, you do not rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems or you fall to the level of your habits. And that's from James Clear. And I think we did talk about uh, goal setting in that first episode. Then we talked about essentially how to achieve that fat loss in that first episode and get that body transformation. And we're going to bring it together a bit more today with habits because we might have goals. We might know how we can do it from that second episode. But if we don't have the habits and systems, well, you're just going to continue to fall in your face. And we want to try and create habits where we can you know, seamlessly do the things that we need to do and get the results that we want to get. And I think that's where what what we're going to go through today. And you hope you hopefully you can leave the op episode today and go, I know exactly one, what habits are going to be good for me and how I can implement them into my life seamlessly so I can finally get the results I'm after. Um what about yourself, Jay? Is you got anything surprises you're going to bring into the episode today? I wouldn't say anything too surprising, but we are going to be bringing it all together because it's all well and good to have the strategy. But if you're not going to act on it for a long period of time, then it's pointless. The best strategy in the world doesn't matter if you can't stick to it. So what we're going to be looking at is the science behind habits, right? What are some of the things that stop alcoholics from relapsing? What are the things that you need to know in order to keep on the new track that you've set? Uh, and it's just going to be full of practical tips, full of real things that you can start to do. But the thing is that you've just got to start. That's at the end of the day, if you don't start, if you don't get the first day under your belt, you're never going to get to the point of habit, which usually takes a lot longer than people think. You can't just do something for three weeks and think, oh, yep, it's ingrained in me now when for the last eight years, you've had all these other shitty habits. So think about this from the perspective of I might be starting fresh, but it's like this could be day one of the rest of my life if I'm willing to embrace and if I'm willing to take on board these new habits. Exactly, mate. And I think the biggest thing we look at with our habits is obviously the habit loop. And I know there's a couple of different models with the habit loop. There's a three-step model, um, which is our cue, our routine, our reward. Um, so is that cue or trigger that starts to prompt the behavior. There's a routine, which is the actual behavior itself. And there's the reward, what you actually benefit from that behavior. But I think there's a, there's a thing underneath that cue, which is that craving, right? So we have the cue, which is, you know, whether it be, you know, Karen at work, she yells at you and then essentially the craving, you could get frustrated, um, you know, so we want to change our inner state and we're like, okay, well, I'm frustrated, I'm stressed. Some people then go to eat food to get overcome that because they change their state. They want to feel good. They want a dopamine release. So they go and grab a chocolate bar. They eat that, which the actual um, chocolate bar eating is the routine itself. And the better from that, they get a little bit of a dopamine kick and they feel good from it. And that's essentially how habits are formed. You do that enough time, Karen, Karen ends up being a bitch enough to you. Then all of a sudden we've, you know, developed this habit that every time we want to see Karen, we want to have a chocolate bar because she's in help enforce that behavior on us. And I think if we can look at this model and how we can implement positive habits and also how we can delete habits out of our life is one of probably one of the most crucial understandings or crucial aspects that if we can understand, we know how to put the habits that we're trying to put into our life and obviously delete the negative ones as well. 
Yeah, in NLP, we talk about it as um, stimulus response, right? So that's that sort of that cue and then that craving is the stimulus is the thing that comes, that happens in the outside world, right? The world is, there's a bunch of different events going on. You have no control over them, but you do have control over how you respond. But most of us respond by default, not by design. And that's a really important point is like a lot of us respond by default. We respond by just the way that the world is rather than saying, Hey, how would I actually like to respond to this stimulus? Like let's say Karen being a bitch rather than going and eating a chocolate bar, right? Whatever it might be, you might find another way to deal with it. Another way to cope with it, right? Maybe you need to bring some, uh, some boxing gloves to work and, and yeah, bring a punching bag or just, you know, write that down and save it for your gym workout in the afternoon. And then you're better current right um that was bench pressing not anything else by the way but, <laughs> <laughs> the video viewers will like that one but the the stimulus and then the response is uh is the as you say it's the trigger for the beginning of then the routine so if we can identify what the different stimuluses are in our life and then what our responses are because there's no such thing as unconscious eating a lot of people say oh i just eat unconsciously some people would say i ate that snickers bar i didn't even realize i was doing it because as you said they've got so good at that habit they've got so good at that routine and that reward it's so ingrained in them right it's like pavlov's dog you ring a bell you salivate it just it just keeps on going, keeps on going. So oh, I unconsciously ate. No, you've just gotten so good at it that it feels unconscious. It's like driving a car. You get in, you put it in first, you go down the freeway, you're like 10 minutes away from home. You're like, how the fuck did I even get here? Like driving to work. You know the, ro the route so well. It's almost unconscious, but there's nothing that's ever truly 100% unconscious. You've still got that little bit of a decision-making process going on. So the, the first point and the first, I guess, big tick that I want to, the big thing that I want to give to everyone is awareness. You need to have more presence in your daily life for you to number one, bring awareness to your habits in order for us to ever look at changing them. So to cultivate presence, we need to do things like be conscious, consciously aware of how we're feeling. That might mean a, a diary or a journal that you're doing, that you're taking specific and deliberate time out of your day to think and to feel and just to be. And that might mean getting rid of your phone for a little bit. That might mean just waking up a little bit earlier and bringing some awareness into your body to yourself, taking some deep breaths. But that, that bit of awareness is the first step for you identifying what your current habits are and what the cue, that craving, that routine, that reward is. So then you can say, hang on, now that I'm aware of it, how can I change it? Mate, 100% agree with you. I think I, I like to look at it as like when someone's trying to transform their life there's or their body essentially, at the start they have unconscious incompetence with their nutrition habits. So they don't even know sometimes they're being incompetent. They're just going throughout the day. There's a stimulus, there's a response, they're eating. Oh, lunchtime happens. I go buy this Subway thing with certain, I get some cookies because obviously the cookies are cheaper if you buy it with a meal and they just start to, you know, go through their day. Then we have to, to flip out of moving out of that sort of unconscious incompetence into awareness, which is like conscious competence. I need to be aware of the cues or the triggers that are taking me away to create poor decisions and poor habits. And then be conscious of the, the cues and the triggers I can put into my life that create better habits. And then if we create these habits in our life long enough and they actually form a system and they become a habit, we move out of conscious competence into somewhat unconscious competence. So we don't have to think about it anymore. We just do it. When I go out, this is what I eat. When I wake up in the morning, I just go to the gym. I drive this way. I drink this water. And we start to not even have to think about the habits that we're trying to create in our life. It just is done because it's who we are as an individual, which comes back to that identity that we did briefly touch on um, in last week, I think it was. So yeah. I think that is the crucial thing. It's understanding there is a cue 
there is a routine and there is a reward and you have to look inside your days and inside your weeks. What are the triggers that are causing poor habits that are taking me off track and making me towards the person I don't want to become? And what are some cues I can put in place to put in these habits that we're going to talk about today that are going to help develop me the person I am going, I want to become. Yeah, exactly. And in order for you to replace the routine, you have to identify it because too many people say, I'm going to start new habits. I'm going to do completely brand new things that I've never done before with no context of their current lifestyle. And we've talked about this a little bit already of not making drastic changes to your lifestyle because that's not what you're used to. So you don't actually get rid of habits. You replace them. You find the same cue and you find the same reward, right? The reward might be not thinking about Karen being a bitch anymore, right? We might drop that one after this, but um, there's, there's the same cue, right? It might be stress at work. It might be stress at home with family. And you might be looking for the same reward, which is for you to feel a little bit mindless, which is what eating does. Eating switches off that little part of our brain that requires us to really think and analyze because evolutionarily, when we went out and hunted and gathered and did all that stuff, and then we come home and we, we go back to the cave and eat the food, you don't eat out in the middle of the wilderness because you get killed by a saber-toothed tiger. So you've got to go back to somewhere safe. It's like, okay, cool. I'm safe. I can eat this. And that's why eating becomes a comfort for so many people. So that reward from the eating habit is the mindlessness or the not having to deal with the thoughts that are going on. That's why people tend to emotionally eat. So then, all right, what is a new routine? What is a new thing that we could put in place that would still give me that same reward of feeling better or not having to think about whatever's going on? Um, you know, like what if I go for a run, I'm not thinking about shit. I'm just like, ah, oh, my legs, ah, fuck, fuck, fuck. But then I feel really good afterwards. All right, that's, that's how it feels. So you've got to identify what your current habits are and you've got to do like that, that sort of uh, Indiana Jones like swap. You've got to change something negative out for something positive. That's what they found from, a, um, from the Alcoholics Anonymous for all of the alcoholics that wouldn't relapse, the one of the key things that they focused on was replacing the habit of drinking alcohol with something else. And it's the same thing for smokers. If you don't, and this is something happened to my uncle and auntie when they quit smoking, was they ended up gaining a bunch of weight because they replaced smoking and the routine and the reward from that with eating, right? And then that swap, yes, it was you know, still probably healthier for them in the long term, but that swap, um, that created a different a different um, routine, which was the eating of the food as opposed to the smoking of the cigarette, same cue, same reward. So you can then be conscious of, and this was an unconscious swap. So you've got to be conscious of what is my current habit? What is my current routine? What, what can give me the same reward? What can give me the same positive feeling or the same feeling that I'm looking for at the end of that routine um, that'll allow me to feel good? Might be exercise, it might be training, whatever it is, but don't just say, I'm just going to start doing all this new shit without being bringing awareness to what your current routines are. Yeah, mate, I completely agree. And so many people go, oh, but how long does it create, take to create a habit? You know, I'm, I'm trying to create these habits. It takes 21 days, right? That's what I read. I was like, well, not really. You know, a habit can be, depends on how complex the habit is. It could take 90 days crab. If you're trying to do some elaborate habit you're trying to build in, then yeah, it could take ages. If you're just trying to drink a glass of water in the morning each day, yeah, for sure, that could take 21 days. If the, the complexity of the habit is how long it takes to then create it into your life. So I don't want you to think, if I just train for 21 days straight, then I'm now someone who trains. That is my identity. This is what I do. I was like, no, you have to like, 
having weightlifting and training and getting going for runs or creating nutrition choices is something that you've done for the last maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you could have done it poorly. Don't think you just, you know, do it great for 21 days and you've completely changed your life. No, it's, it takes daily repeated conscious action to drive these habits into your life for 90 days, maybe 16 weeks, maybe one year of conscious awareness around this because that's when we start to forge that habit into our life and and who we're trying to become and when we're trying to create habits we need these three things one that needs to be repeated so we need to do things consistently like we have to do them consistently two we have to be resilient okay so if we miss once like we go again the next day we never miss twice and it has to be reinforcing okay so we have to believe that the habit we are actually trying to put into our life is making us better so you know if we look at it it's like you know, we're eating, we want to have, like we talked about last week, we believe in flexible dieting, we believe in, you know, looking at our food and tracking if it's not, if eating keto, for example, we don't believe this is making us better, it's a fad, well, it's not going to be a habit that we're going to stick. If we're trying to create a nutrition principle where we can still enjoy some of the food we want, we're still nutrition tracking, and we do this and we can see that change, it starts to reinforce the habit even further going, I can do this, this is positive. I can be resilient. So if I miss a day, I can get back on the next day. I think it's making sure we do those three things. It's a repeated habit. It's a resilient habit. And it's a reinforcing habit. If we can do that, then we can actually start to create change and you know put these habits into our life. Yeah, you have to have when you're doing it, and this is a big thing we talked about in week one, you have to have agency, you have to have a willingness and a wanting to do it. It's not like you're just being told, which is, again, why a lot of these sort of cookie cutter programs that are out there will just say, hey, just do this, just eat keto, just only do this for for 21 days or for 90 days or whatever, and you'll lose fat. And it's like, that's all well and good, but I'm not doing this because I want to, I'm doing this just because I'm being told. So if you mm. can start to integrate and incorporate some of the nutrition habits and principles in your daily life and in your current way of eating, then it's like, I'm choosing this as opposed to I have to do this. And this is where language is very important because if you're making a choice to go to the gym, to go for the walk, because again, you've related it to the bigger picture. You've related it back to the why, like we talked about in the first episode of the podcast, when you're still talking about goal setting, you have to have a really deep, really powerful why that reminds you that every action you're taking, you want to take it because it's taking you closer to the thing that you want, which is that vitality, that health, being able to play with your grandkids, being able to lose that fat, not die of heart disease, all that other stuff that comes comes back to it. So when you have a desire to do the actions, as Travis saying, that'll feed into that repeatability, that self-reinforcing nature of the habit, because every time I do it, I feel like I'm moving forward. And then if you're getting results, even better, all of that starts to compound. Most definitely, mate. And people might be thinking, okay, well, it's not 21 days. It could be 90 days. It could be 16 weeks. Okay, fantastic. I need to do something repeated for a period of time to start to implement my life. Or how do I start to put these habits into my life? Is one of the, one of the key areas you can do with setting anchor tasks. And, you know, this is how we can fit them into our life. So there's certain anchor points inside your day that are pivotable, right? You wake up, that's an anchor. You hopefully do that each day. You go to bed, that's an anchor. You get, like, you hopefully do that each day as well. You might have a morning shower, that could be an anchor as well. You might have a morning coffee, that could be an anchor. You might go to work and you actually get to work. Um, you might have a lunch break, you know, you might finish work, you might go home. So you have these anchor points that are repeated on a daily basis. And what we can do is we're trying to put in a habit, we can then stack the anchor, use that first habit that we're actually already doing, and we can stack a habit straight underneath that anchor. And this is where, because we have to give habits a time and place to live. Okay, so that's how they actually are going to be repeated.
There's like, I do this, then I do this. And then if we start to do it long enough, that's how we do it. It's like we wake up, we push water on our face, we brush our teeth. Like you don't even think about it anymore. This is just the routine you flow if you do it for long enough. So I want you to think if you want to run in the mornings, okay, well, how can I, where's my anchor? Do I first... Uh, do I first like wake up in the morning and then I put my shoes on, then I grab my coffee, I drink my coffee. And then after my coffee, then I go and, you know, go for that run. Like, like another anchor that we do have is obviously getting into bed. So we've done our run in the morning. There's the anchor of going into bed. And for us, me and my wife have anchor. We get into bed and we share gratitude because we bookend our days, the start of our day and the end of our day with gratitude. So we hop in bed and we share with each other the three great things that happen to each of us each day. Um, so that is an anchor for gratitude inside our life. So what you can think about is where are the anchor points inside your life that you can then slot in a new task or new habit underneath it. And you start to roll through setting the anchor, following through the new habit. And all of a sudden, this is how now our habit stacking can occur. Yeah. And this is something that we, um, me and my wife do as well in the morning is our new habit that we're actually trying to work on actively cultivating is going for a morning walk with our baby. So whenever she happens to wake up, right, somewhere between 5am and 7am, who knows when, uh, sometimes 3am, but you don't go for a walk, then she might wake up, right? We get up, she feeds the baby. Um, we put her down, we make our coffees in our little to-go cups. We get her ready to go. We get dressed and then we go out, right? And then we go for a walk for anywhere between half an hour and 45 minutes. That's the anchor, anchor of waking up. Okay, cool. What's the next step to this habit? We're making our morning coffee in the to-go cups, right? If it's in the to-go cup, then you'll go out. If it's in your little keep cup, you're good. So we have that as one of the habits that we're trying to cultivate as well. Um, so you've got to, as Travis saying, you think about those little anchor points, think about what you can sort of tag onto the back of them, because then you don't necessarily need to create a whole new habit out of nothing. You're almost put it, pinning it to the coattails of something that you already do really, really consistently. And then that way, every time you have, for example, that morning coffee, or every time you wake up, you're like, Yep. All right. This is what I do. I wake up, coffee, run, wake up, coffee, run, wake up, coffee, run, right? That might be what yours is. So that every time you're having that coffee, your brain automatically starts to think Fuck, time to go for a run, right? And then I it think, becomes I think automatic over time. Oh, my, 100%. I think when we're looking at this, this is where negative habits are stacked on the back of these anchors as well, right? So all of a sudden, you know, any of the tradies out there, they have Smoko, Smoko, walk to the truck, buy the sausage roll pie, whatever it is, right? Okay, there's anchor point of Smoko. There's an anchor point of the lunch break. So we need to look at, like you were saying earlier, there is a cue. It's becoming aware of that cue, which is essentially sometimes an anchor point. And then we look at, okay, what was my current routine that's taking me away from my goals? I know this anchor point's always going to be there. Like I'm always going to wake up. There's always going to be smoker. You know, it depends on your life. And it's like, how do I then implement a habit that's sending me on a new trajectory? towards the best version of me rather than the less than best version of me. And I implement that same, I implement a new habit stacked underneath the anchor point that takes me that's in line with my current goals that then I can get that rewarding factor around that. I think so it's making sure that we look at anchors and then poor habits off anchors. And also if we want to implement new positive habits, look at our current anchors and where can I slot that in? Where can I slot in the meditation or where can I slot in the running or where can I slot in the meal prep? Maybe there's an anchor point on a Sunday. You go shopping on the Sunday. That's an anchor point. You get back, you start meal prep, whatever it is. You have to look at your anchor points. They're always going to be there. How can I slot in a positive habit that I need in my life after that anchor point? And it's the easiest place rather than trying to you know, map out some random schedule of putting in habits. It's like just tacking in a positive habit after an anchor point that already lives inside your life. So yeah. I think, 
I think this is probably one of the bigger things to start to put habits in is to realize where they need to fit inside your day. Yeah. And you need to focus on, as Trevor was saying, what you want to put in, not what you want to take out. It's the exact same thing with your diet. It's the same thing with your habits. Don't focus on, oh, these are all the foods I can't have. So then all that he'll then lets you do is think, oh, I can't have cookies. I can't have You're just thinking about cookies and cakes. Instead of that, let's focus on, oh, what are the things I can have? Oh, I didn't realize I could fit spag bowl into my um, thing or a burger into my meal plan. I didn't realize I could fit, oh, I could have scrambled eggs, right? You mean I can have this? Yeah, sure. Let's focus on all the things we can have. Same thing with habits. We want to focus on all the things that we can do. One of the ones that I would say is super common is driving past a drive-through, right? Whether it's Hungry Jack's, McDonald's, KC, whatever. You drive past, you see the golden arches and you're just like, oh, I could pull in for a cheeky cheeseburger. You know, it's uh, it's Smoko, it's 10 o'clock. There's no line, right? I haven't beaten the lunch rush. I might just pop in and get something. Same thing with the service station. There's plenty of, you know, as Trevor was saying, pies, sausage rolls, Cokes, all of that kind of stuff is there. So rather than going in and say, I'm just going to resist temptation and I'm just not going to do anything and I'm going to ignore it, think of a couple of different options. So for example, you go into, you're going through the drive-thru at Macca's. Do you grab a coffee and one of those, like a chicken wrap, you know, still relatively decent. It's better than a cheeseburger for sure. And you might get like a Coke, no sugar, as opposed to getting a full sugar one or whatever it might be. Same thing going into a service station. Don't think of, I'm not going to eat a pie. I'm not going to eat a pie. I'm not going to eat a pie. Cause then you're going to be sitting there in line behind the old ladies paying in front of you. And you're like, Oh, those chicken cheese crumb sausages and those pies are looking bloody good. Right. They've been drying out under that Bay Marie for 15 hours before, you know, I could go for one <laughs> instead of doing that. Focus your energy and focus your attention on making a decision in the positive. Say, you know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to grab a thing of beef jerky or I'm going to grab a, you know, a sugar-free Coke or whatever it might be, whatever your thing is. You can go in, you can actively choose to do something. And then that way you're not sitting there trying to resist. It's like, no, I'm being active and I'm being an active participant in my own life. I'm going to focus towards something. I'm going to grab the beef jerky, going to grab the Coke. Then look, I've already got it in my hands. Fuck, I'm not going to buy a pie as well. I'm spending 25 bucks on food at the server if that's the case. So I've already made my decision moving forward. It's something that I do at restaurants as well. If mm. there's a lot of options that look really good and I'm, oh, I kind of want the chicken breast, uh, the, the, you know, the poached chicken or whatever it might be, usually it ends up being a good option as well. But if I want that, but oh, there's all these other options, I'll pick the option, I'll make my choice and I'll flip the menu over. Because that way yep. I'm not sitting there in indecision, which is what fucks most people up with their habits. They sit there in a space of indecision. They sit there thinking about all the different options that they could pick. And da, 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 da. No, say my new habit is when I go into the servo, if I'm hungry and that's my little cue for me to grab a pie, instead I'm going to grab this thing, right? I've got a couple of other options of things that I'm going to focus on and grab instead of the pie. Then you're making a decision, you're moving it forward and you're making a choice as opposed to just sitting there resisting because that willpower gets drained real quick. Mate, hundred percent. I think when we're looking at it, it's like if, when, then scenarios, right? Mm. Um, like when we, if, when I go to a servo, then I buy this. If, when I go to Macca's, then I buy this. We already have defaults. Okay. If, when I do press snooze on an alarm, then I do this. If I, when I do go out for dinner, then we go there. So what happens is we've pre-committed to an idea. So we have a default decision. So we're not relying on willpower to make decisions in the moment, but we've pre-committed mentally. If, when something happens in these key areas of your life, then you've already pre-committed to a decision. So you don't have to think about it in the morning moment. You just follow through. And I think that's a strategy I use with a lot of my guys when, you know, we have a little bit of, um, 
there's a little bit less uh, certainty in around some areas. You know, if you're going out for dinner on the weekend, or if you do miss something we're trying to do, or you know, if when you go on your lunch, if when my lunch break happens, then I go for a ten minute walk before I eat, or whatever it is, right? Like we have these if when then scenarios just played out. There's like five of them throughout the day, and it's like they're just defaulting. They're pre-committed. This is who they are, and they just follow through with the tasks. When we are trying to implement new habits, there's a thing called implementation intentions. And I think this is one of the most crucial things that we can be doing, especially with our nutrition or with our, our training. So I actually did a study with this and it's like how we can, you know, go increase the amount of follow through by 60%. So what they did is they broke their, this study up into three groups. It was group one and they were trying to essentially get them to train more often. Um, so group one over the next 12 weeks, I want you to track your exercise habits. That's what they did. Group two was, I want you to track your exercise habits and I want you to watch this motivating video on why you should exercise. That was group two. And group three was, I want you to, you know, essentially track your exercise. I want you to watch this motivating video and I want you to start, I want you to write down this sentence. I will work out on, you know, this day at this place at this time. So what they've done is they've given their, their goals, their habits, a time and a place to live inside their schedule. Now, the interesting factor with this, the ones who, the group one that was just track your exercise, 31% stuck to it over the next two weeks. When we look at it, group two, it was 32% stuck to it. So it was like just a small margin. I guess that mo motivational video was not too motivating. They weren't um, listening to Les Brown. <laughs> they were not at all. Um, and when it wasn't David Goggins, like no one's no. carrying the boats. Um, so, and, then, and then group three was 90%, 90% stuck to it. When they gave their exercise habits a time and a place to live, 90% followed through. So there was a 60% difference in the people who actually said, I'm going to train at this, on this day, at this place, at this time. And I think what we look at is I look at this with our nutrition and with our training habits. So it's like, I, you know, with, with our guys, obviously there's programs laid out for them, but it's like, oh, well, you know, where are you going to train and what time are you going to train? Don't get, tell me you're going to train whenever it fits in because then it's never going to fit in. You either train at mornings or you train at nights. Okay. Train at nights. What time of the night? What's your, what's your, your routine at nighttime and when you're going to fit in? Cause we need to look at where is this training, this new thing? What anchor point is this sitting off? Okay. This is what we do. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to train in the morning. Fantastic. Okay. I'm going to train at 5.30 at Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Fantastic. Where are you training? At this place. Okay. So we know what days, we know what time, you know, we know what place they put it in. And we also do this with their nutrition. So we know that, okay, nights of the week, I'm going to eat this food on this night at this time at this place. So all of a sudden they've mapped out the key things they need to be doing. It takes about half an hour for the first time you do it. Then all of a sudden it gets easier and easier after it. But you've given your food a time and a place to live. You've given your training a time and a place to live. There's the two biggest variables when we're looking at variables, when we're looking at body transformation. And all of a sudden you've created these implementation intentions. So when we look at when willpower is low, we just follow through the habits. And that's the key. It's a key difference of 60 percent follow through there's a difference so that is something we definitely all should be doing if we want to be actually sticking to these positive habits they're going to set us on a trajectory of the best version of us yeah yeah we all have this intention this ideal version of ourselves that is going to stick to the things and oh yeah no worries i'll make the time or i'll plan that out later if you are in that situation and you don't sit down immediately after this podcast or immediately now i don't care and go through and identify how much time am I spending on shit during my week? 
How much time am I spending at work? How much time am I spending uh, on the toilet, on my phone, doing all this other stuff? Like you've got to consider where you're actually spending this time because the more you start something new and you fool yourself into thinking, I've got all this time and capacity. Yeah, I can do this program. And then you don't identify the fact that you've got no time because you've got all this stuff on evenings. You've got four days a week where you're taking kids to, you know, to to sport or to after school activities, or you're helping them with homework, or then you'll, you know, whatever's going on in your life, you don't identify that. And you make an intention to train at a certain time. And then you can't, you feel like you're letting yourself down. You feel like you failed. And then it sets you back to kind of square one because you're like, oh, fuck, it's just all too hard. No, it's not too hard. You just didn't identify what your week already currently looks like and you haven't optimized your week for what you want, right? You need to move and and this is a, a book I was reading recently by a guy called Nick Peterson. I absolutely loved it. It was called Bumpers. It's like this thin, it's this tiny like 60 page book all about setting up bumpers in your life and he likens it to the guardrails on a bowling alley right? Like you, you put the bumpers up so that you can funnel the ball towards what you want. Some people say it's cheating. I say it's more fun to not do gutter balls. <laughs> Depends on your uh, perspective, but you get to have these things in your life because if something's important to you, you've got to set up the bumpers of no, this is when I do this. This is when I do that. And you've just got to stick to it. And you've got to identify how you're currently living. If you don't identify how you're currently living, then there's no way you can slot in exercise because you might just have to be like, you know what, at the moment, I don't have the capacity with everything else going on to train for an hour a day for four days a week. Then it's like, all right, well, let's take a look at what you can do. Are you able to make half an hour work on these other days? Are you able to just focus on getting your steps up? Are you able to just focus on your nutrition? Because then we start to work within the realm of what's possible and what we can action. We don't lose motivation because we fail. Mate, that that's so crucial. I think, especially being you know close to the start of the year as well. So many people have probably fallen off their New Year's resolutions. You know, being the sixth or seventh week into the the year, you know, we we set ourselves up with this mentality of like all or nothing. It's like I'm going to train six hours a week. I'm just going to eat chicken and broccoli. Or I'm just going to go keto. And it's like, well, these aren't habits that are going to stick for good. We go into this all or nothing mentality, and when we already fall on our face, that's when we already give up. And it's like five or six weeks into the year, and we're like, well, that's done. I'm going to start next year, or we just keep saying we're going to start on Monday, or we're going to start next month, and all of a sudden it's 2024 and nothing's changed. So what instead, rather than having an all or nothing mentality, and we can have those bumpers up there for us you know if we look through that analogy we can have upper and lower limits on our training we can have upper lower limits on our nutrition so it's not too overwhelming because if we look at it and we're really just trying to put in uh habits that are going to take us towards the best version of ourself it's going okay well i know i need to be tracking my calories because we talked about on the last episode of the podcast and i sometimes i, I struggle a little bit and you know all of a sudden if someone goes you know, 500 calories over there, they're tracking for the day, then they just get overwhelmed, they get upset, and all of a sudden they blow it for the next week and they say, I give up. And all of a sudden they go back to square one. Instead, let's go, well, let's have a, a calorie, you know, bumpers. They okay? go, instead of going 1800 calories a day, let's go, okay, you have to hit between 1600 and 2400 calories a day and just have it sit somewhere inside that. Now we have a calorie limit that we can sit inside. And as you are getting momentum because an object in motion tends to stay in motion, right? An object at rest stays at rest. So if we fail and we're at rest, well, we're going to stay at rest. If not, we can actually create these bumpers that we stay within or these limits that we stay within so we can stay in motion. And when we're at motion, in motion, we can start to optimize 
optimize. Your training could be, I'm going to train lower limit 10 minutes a day. I'm going to train upper limit 60 minutes a day. And if you train for 10 minutes, it's like, yep, perfect, tick. If I want to train for 30 minutes today, I can. If I want to train for 50, if I want to train for 60, I can. But we train for minimum 10 minutes every single day. And all of a sudden, we're building the habit of becoming someone who trains. And I think it's having the lower limit of the training and upper limit of the training, having the lower limit of the calories, upper limit of the calories. And the more we can do something, the more we feel like we're winning, the more we're winning, the more momentum we get, the more we're momentum, the more we can optimize. And all of a sudden, we're, we just start to smash out the results. So I think that's how we build habits that stick inside our life for good. And we move out of this all or nothing mindset, which essentially is one of the probably biggest factors factors that why people don't get the results they're after. They go too hard, they fall on their face, they give up. Rather than having these bumpers or having these limits, uh, limiters on either side, the upper limit, and lower limit allows us to just keep moving forward with momentum and then optimization. Yeah, what that allows us to do, and this is a, another concept from the book that I loved, which was called, is called raising the floor. A lot of people focus on hitting high peaks, right? Like, and if we went to the gym and we tried to max out every single week, you'd be wrecked, right? You'd be wrecked in like two weeks time. You'd be fucked. So when it comes to raising the floor, what we're looking at is we want all of our bad days to be less bad than the previous bad days, so to speak. Yep. And I remember talking about this. I used to work with a lot of um, a lot of women around eating disorders and around that kind of stuff. And one of the things that um, that I worked with them on was it's not about never binge eating or never having a moment where you just eat too much and you feel like shit again or whatever it might be. It's not about never doing it again. It's about each time just trying to go longer between those periods. It's like if last time it took us two weeks and then we binged again, awesome. You know what? Before that, it was only a week between binges. So we're doing well. We're making, we're making improvements. We're raising the floor. We're raising what the worst days and the worst case scenarios could be. Just like when we have our worst days, the floor for that at the moment might be eating Snickers bars, you know, grabbing takeout and sitting on the couch. If we raise that floor to be like, all right, instead of doing that, we might get takeout, but I also am going to go for a 10, 15 minute walk at least. That's like my minimum. That's my floor. And if you focus on raising the floor, the overall trend, the overall average goes up. But um, if you're focusing on just hitting new peaks and new highs every single week, and that's what your kind of your, your driver is, you're going to burn out because you're constantly just trying to push, 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 rather than focusing on, I want my bad days to be less bad. But it's um it's something about our society where people don't care about that. We want to see new highs. We want to see big peaks, big dopamine hits. Um, we celebrate people losing weight, but we never celebrate people who didn't gain weight in Kick the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, people who never like no one threw me a party because I haven't gained thirty kilos this year. <laughs> but someone lost thirty kilos and we partied for them. Uh, so there's, yeah. that's that's the reward for a lot of people to gain it back again. Is the idea of I'm going to gain this weight, I lose it, oh, everyone claps me, put it back on again, lose it, oh, but it's like fucking, you know, your cousin over there, he's been the same weight his whole life, no one threw a party for him. Mate, I, I completely agree. I think when we look at it, it's probably one of the most crucial things is, you know, raising that floor mentality. It's like, there's a quote again from James Cleary. It talks about, you should be far more concerned with the current trajectory, with your current trajectory than your current results. So if you'll mm -hmm. keep raising the floor, your trajectory is going to keep going upwards rather than peaks and troughs. The trajectory just keep going, you know, similar sideways or even down depends on how, how deep those floors are. So if you just keep raising the floor, your trajectory can keep going towards the best version of you. It might take you a little bit longer to get the result rather than some quick fix, rapid 28 day, 21 day, 14 day detox or something like that. But what you're going to be doing is you're going to actually be 
cultivating the identity of someone who's going to keep the results you're looking for for the rest of their life rather than just 14 days and then putting it all back on. I think that is a big factor we need to look at as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the keys, in my opinion, for creating long-term habits that stick around is having that raise the floor mentality, having that, all right, I want, if I do, you know, break off or not train or whatever, each time I do it, I do it for less time. I do it with less intensity. Every time I have a bad day, it's less of a bad day than the last time I had a bad day. And that'll improve your overall results for a long period of time because you're going to have little peaks and troughs, but it's going to be curving up. That's the point. I mean, you know, dancing up. I think yeah, mate, 100%. I think there's there's also some hidden forces that drive our behavior that we don't often think about, and that's our environment. Um, so it's where we live, our physical space. It's also, and that actually shapes our behaviors. Um, that's why when you start some uh, a nutrition plan, you want to change your um, eating. You know, sometimes people will say, like, you know, get all the food that you generally overeat, just get it out of the house, like, so it's not there because it's inside your environment. If there's cookies always on the counter and your wife makes cookies, every time you walk past there, it's easy to grab a cookie. If there's no cookies in the house, well, it makes it harder to go get those cookies. If there's an, always an apple on the counter, you're more likely to eat an apple than an apple was inside the cupboard. It's just, this is what we look like, uh, look at with environmental design. But environment isn't just, you know, the things in our physical space, okay? Environment is also the people that we surround ourselves with. So what we have to ask ourselves is, who are you surrounded by on a daily basis and how are they influencing your habits? And then also, what are you surrounded by on a daily basis? And how does that influence your habits? So it's the who and the what. Those are the two key things in that are the hidden forces that actually push you forward. If, you know, if you've got four mates or five mates who are overweight, they don't train, they sink piss and they essentially, you know, binge drink every single weekend. Well, you will be the fifth one, right? It just is what it is. Or if you aren't the fifth one, it's very hard not to be the fifth one. Okay. So you're essentially, you're resisting. There's a lot of friction inside your friendship groups. So if you're trying to truly change your life, you should be trying to be around people with the habits that you want to have. If you're around people who train four times a week and five times a week and they, you know, go for walks and they do, you know, great things on the weekends, like, you know, adventures with their kids and they go for walks and they, that's what you talk about. And that's where the communication's around when you catch up with them. Well, then it's very hard not to do those things because the environment, the circle, um, you then, we start to, um, it's like a thermostat. We rise to the level of the people we hang out with or we fall to the level. It's just how we are. We gravitate around that. So I want you to really audit your circle. I want you to think about are the people I'm hanging around with most right now, are they helping me drive towards me to be the healthiest version of me or are they not? And if they aren't, where is a group of people I can actually get into or get around who's going to help lift me up through essentially osmosis so I then just start to facilitate and create those habits that are going to take me onto the trajectory I, I want to be on. Then the second thing is, what is my environment like at work? Okay. You know, what is the environment with food? Okay. I need to look at that. Is there someone you can go for a walk with at lunchtime and you can do this together? And it's like creating that environment design. What's my food like at home? You know, do I have the cookies out? What's in the shelf? What's in the cupboard? What's on the table? You know, what's on the on the, the bench as you walk past? How can I take away some of the foods that I shouldn't be having and put more foods that I should be having inside their environment? I think the, if you just look at these two things just here, they will force positive habits inside your life without you really having to think about it too much. Yeah, I think people struggle with um, 
with that with home gyms i was thinking about this today because i used to train at a couple of different gyms one of them was like a boutique physio studio basically it had everything you needed but it was quite small um there was a lot of uh you know there's a lot of old people that would go in there and just do some sort of rehab stuff with the physios and it wasn't very particularly um it wasn't very inspiring for me to want to gain muscle and like lift really heavy and because i'm just like it was very quiet and it was very like well lit and i'm like all right so now my current gym is um it's only five minutes away so it's quite convenient but it's this big shed there's a lot of guys that are in there that are bigger than me right it's i mean that's not very hard but you know it's it's still very inspiring <laughs> it's inspiring to see oh yeah the guy's lifting hard yeah i want to lift hard as well and that environment really cultivates that and i think that some people who maybe have home gyms struggle with that as well because then you're just surrounded by the people in your environment you're, you're just kind of alone in there you know there's no group mentality of oh fuck, that guy's training hard i want to train hard too and that brings back the importance of an online community if you can do it you know that's why we created the fit dads club and trav created it and i've come on board with it is because it's a a online community where you can share with other dads with other guys that are going through the same stuff because the average dads in your area probably aren't doing this kind of stuff they're not getting involved they're not in the gym they're not doing that stuff already so you've got to have those people that you can share that stuff with because then you're like oh crap i'm not the only one i'm not going crazy i'm not alone in this there's a bunch of other dads doing this stuff you know they're taking their kids out for runs and they're doing all this cool stuff I can do that too. It's setting that example and having that peer group that, as Travel saying, they either lift you up or they drag you down. There's no such thing as a neutral relationship. And if you start categorizing people as either a plus or a minus, you start to tally that up real quick and be like, shit, there's a lot of negativity in here. And I think that that, that comes down to common humanity. Um, when we're looking at it, it's like, if you're inside an online group um, and you know that other people are doing the work, and it's like, well, these guys are da- with similar constraints. Okay. So that's when common humanity kicks in. So there's other guys out there, just like me, who work full time. You know, they have a family. They're managing all the constraints of a dad. You're trying to make money. You're trying to be a role model. You're trying to change your life. You're trying to put new habits and they aren't making excuses. I, I'm not going to make excuses either. So like that common humanity kicks in for us and we level up just because we know there's people out there just like us doing the things that we need to do. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do them as well. I think that is a big thing as far as being a part of an online group of similar people, um, given the constraints. Now I, I want to do, I do want to briefly um, touch on checklists because uh, I think checklists are really important as far as, you know, getting our habits done. One, there's a bit of a dopamine, you know, uh, effect as far as our feel good hormones when we tick off that box, but you might not think that checklists, you know, matter too much, but they give us a reminder to do the things we need to do. It gives us a dopamine kick. So you actually feel good when you tick that off. And they did a study around this, or they looked into checklists and across like nine hospitals in the US in their intensive care unit, they implemented a simple checklist strategy, just a simple checklist strategy on how to implement a central line. Now, over the next six months, since implementing that, that simple checklist strategy, do this, then do this, then do this, you know, over that next six months, Infection rate went down 60% uh, over, the ne- over the next six months. And then over 18 months, they saved $75 million and saved 1,500 lives because of a simple checklist. And it's not like doctors should be doing this anyway, but as a checklist, them just reminding them it's a tick, a tick, and a tick. And it's like for you, well, it's like, okay, what's my morning routine look like? As you're trying to implement new anchor points and new habits, it's like, just put it on a marker. 
Okay, well, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I drink 500 mils of water, I do two minutes of meditation, maybe I do put my shoes on, 2K run, I have a shower, I put my clothes on, you know, I blend a protein drink, um, and then I go to work. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe there's, you know, wh- however yours is, but there's a morning checklist with the key things that you need to do, and you go tick, 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 and that's exactly what we need to do. Mm-hmm. So I want you to have a think about it. If this can save thousands of dollars, then this could be important for us to be doing inside our life as well. Yeah, completely agree. That dopamine, don't underestimate the power of structure and the power of that routine because that'll carry you through when willpower won't. So, all right, well, it's on the list. I've got to do it rather than you thinking, who's going to really hold me accountable? Well, the piece of paper will. It's got you, it's got a written air. You either got a ticket or you got to suffer with the, the, um, the loss of, not ticking it and be like, oh, I'm letting myself down. You're making the decision not to do it when it's in your face like that. So um, yeah, there's, there's, there's obviously so much that goes into creating new habits and so much that we can talk about. But um, I think that what we've given so far has been pretty, pretty bloody good from a perspective of finding the cues, finding the, the, the stimulus and the response and the routines and the rewards, replacing the habits and, and coattailing them on to other anchor points and making sure that you have agency and you're really focused on you know why you're making these changes and raising the floor and making checklists. And there's so much stuff that you can do, but it's all irrelevant until unless you just sit down, plan your week and start and say, when am I, what do I want to do and when am I going to do it? Mate, a hundred percent agree with you. And I think if we look at this, um, there's, there's a couple of little strategies or systems that I want to look at, um, when we do it. And, you know, we talked about, we know we need to be doing our training. We know we're doing, doing our steps. We talked about this last week, a certain amount of steps, say like 8,000 a day training. Like, you know, we could train 10 minutes a day if you wanted to. We're training four times a week for 30 to 40 minutes. We know we need to be tracking our nutrition. Okay. So there's three big key things that we need to be doing on a daily basis. There's a thing called a marble strategy. And there's, there's a marble strategy and there's also a Seinfeld strategy. And I'll talk about both of these when we're looking at habit implementation right now. So let's just say you have, you want to track your habits or you want to really try and ingrain these habits over the next, you know, 30 days. And, and in, in this strategy, you can have, you got a jar and you got two jars. You got one on the left and one on the right. And inside that jar, you got 25 uh, blue marbles, you buy 25 blue marbles and you buy five yellow marbles. So every time that you do a day and you hit 8,000 steps and you do your training session and you track nutrition, you take one of those blue marbles because you did all three, you close your eyes. So when you go up to the jar with full of the marbles, you close your eyes, you put your hand, your essentially your hand into that jar. I want you to imagine reaching into that jar, you're grabbing out a marble. You don't want to know what color it is. You pick it up, you look at it. It's like, oh, I got a blue marble today. And you put it across into the other jar now obviously there's five yellow marbles in there one you're going to get a bit of a tick because you know the dopamine release because you're actually you know doing the result but over time the dopamine uh signal of that feel good actually starts to decrease but what we do with this is the yellow marble represents a reward and this is at random so that's the reward actually stays that dopamine stays high so if you go in there and you reach down you happen to grab that yellow marble that's a reward that you've designed for yourself. Maybe it could be a hundred dollars to get, you know, a new gym equipment for your home gym. I don't know. And you put that in there and you, you track that across. And if you start to train for 30 days, that's, you know, 500 bucks a month you can put towards your home gym or 50 bucks, uh, sorry, 50 bucks every time or 10 bucks every time. Whatever your financial constraints are, do it for you. And it might not be towards your home gym. It could be something towards a new fishing rod or whatever you like. But what we're doing is where one implementing a marble strategy at the end of the month, if you've got three marbles in that other jar, cause you only did three days of, you know, completing those three habits. Well, clearly 
you can't be upset with the results you don't have from the work you didn't do. I think that is a crucial thing. So you can see, did I do the work this month? No, there's three marbles. Okay, well, wow. Um, and But if you have there, over that right-hand side, there is 30 marbles and you've moved across five yellow ones and you're getting those, yes, I'm crushing it type of habits because you're getting that reward at random. Then all of a sudden, you'll, you'll get dramatic results. You just will. And also you're getting that positive random reinforcement that you want to keep doing it. And every month you start the marble strategy again and you keep rewarding yourself. And I think that's one thing that is really effective with habit implementation and habit sticking. The other thing is done from Jerry Seinfeld. When he wants to become, you know, the world's greatest comedian, there's a, a, a essentially a habit formation strategy, which is called the Seinfeld method. What he did, he had a wall chart up on the wall. It's 365 days. And what he did is every single day he wanted, he had to write a new joke. He wrote a joke and he put an X on the day. And then what he would do is he would try and create a streak. So it's like he knew that if he kept writing jokes, then he would keep making them better and better. And he would become that, you know, highest paid comedian or world's best comedian. And he did that at, at one time. And so when we look at this, if you have those three habits, we look at our, our training, our nutrition, our steps, or maybe you're just trying to do this for your nutrition, for example, the, the, the key domino of all the other habits. So what you look at is, I'm going to track my nutrition. I put an X on the wall. Okay. And then the next day I put an X on the wall and you're trying to create a streak. So it could be a seven day streak, a 13 day streak, a 21 day streak. There's two rules. We never miss twice. So if you did it for 21 days and you miss day 22, you never miss two days in a row. Be the person who never misses twice. That is crucial. We never miss twice. And then when you pick up the streak, be competitive. And your goal is then to beat the previous streak. So if you did 21 days and you missed day 22, we get straight back on board. And your goal now is to try and go for 22 days or go for 23 days at an absolute minimum. And if all you're doing over the next 12 months is never missing twice and constantly increasing the streak that you're having, these habits are going to be implemented so deeply into your life, you would have completely changed your identity and therefore solidified them into that unconscious, in, unconscious competence that we talked about earlier. Yeah, it sounds like a really solid strategy from a, as you said, you're not missing twice. You've still got the capacity, you know, shit happens, but you're not letting yourself be derailed by it. And then it's almost like gamifying your progress because the goal is beat, beat your previous self. And I think that's ultimately what we're trying to do as a whole is just get better than who you were last month, last year, last decade, right? If you can improve on who that person is, then by the end of 10 years, you know, you're going to be an incredible human being. But too many people get so caught up in, oh, who they've been and, oh, where am I at now? I'm not in the best place at the moment. And they've got this lack mentality as opposed to, well, if I can, if I can, um, too many people want to deadlift, you know, 250 kilos, right? And they're currently deadlifting 80 kilos. Or maybe that's just me. But if you're doing that and then let's say, oh, I can add, but they don't want to add two kilos to the bar, right? They want to add 20 kilos to the bar and then they'll injure themselves and they have to start again. But if you are able to add two kilos to the bar week in, week out, by the end of the by the end of the year, you're adding an extra hundred kilos to the bar. My, exactly. It's the same I thing with your habits. Dude, hundred percent. It's the one percenters, right? And I think, you know, when we look at it, the key systems for everyone I say is you want habits and systems around your training, 
Okay, so like maybe using implementation intentions around your your training. We want nutrition. We want habits around that. Maybe using anchor points for our nutrition. Okay, and we're we're looking at food prep, and it could be anchor points around your food prep, and it's like at a time, give it a time and a place that you do your weekly planning, um, using the implementation intentions, using the anchor points, and you know you're doing it with your partner, so there's that common you're, you're doing it with them, and maybe you can get someone to check it off because then we're reinforcing it. Yes, we're on point. So there's our food prep for our nutrition then there's our daily steps because you know someone didn't change their body with just doing one great training session and eating a salad right we want to you know be getting movement outside the gym so maybe we're getting that eight thousand steps in a day so what's our system do we walk 15 minutes in the morning 15 minutes lunch and 15 minutes at night time where are our anchor points who do we do it with when do we do it so we have a system around our steps i think the two key things the two key habits that people don't implement which is why they don't actually succeed. And these last two habits that I want to talk about today is one reflection. We need a habit of reflection because when things go wrong, okay, and we keep and we don't reflect on why they went wrong, then we're doomed to repeat that same poor habit or same mistake again and again. But when we look at it, all it was, if we mistake, if we look at take those words apart, it was a mistake right? So you just did a missed take. So we just need to take another shot. So we reflect, okay, I missed my nutrition today. And we reflect at the end of each day. And then we create a habit or a system of reflecting at the end of each week. So I reflected in each day. I wanted to score three points, my nutrition. I want to score my training. I want to score my, my steps. Okay. I missed my steps today. I reflect back. Okay. What went well? Well, I went for my working morning walk. What went wrong? I missed my lunch walk. What can I do differently tomorrow? Well, well, what happens? I had a lunch meeting booked in. Well, I can look at the start of the day because I knew I would have a lunch meeting booked in and I could have done, you know, 25 minutes in the morning and 25 minutes at night or 20 and 20. So I could have corrected my day around still hitting my steps. So what I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to look at my day ahead in advance and I'm going to plan out my steps accordingly around that. So we reflect at the end of the day. And then also the reflection at the end of the week. Okay, out of my week, how many days did I hit my calories? How many days did I hit my steps? How many days did I hit my training? Okay, when did I miss my training? When did I hit my steps? And I reflect, okay, what am I? What did I learn from that week that was? Okay, well, I learned that I shouldn't go out for drinks with Kev when I'm really trying to prioritize this because Kev is a binge drinker and I can't okay. not say, yeah, I can't not say no when I'm around Kev. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to catch up with Kev um, you know, when he's with his kids, maybe he doesn't get blind when he's with his kids and I'm going to do it at the park because that's frowned upon. Uh, so when we look at that, it's like you can meet at Kev in a different environment that doesn't suit the binge drinking scenario, or you can just take Kev out of your life for the next four weeks whilst you're really trying to solidify these habits. So we do the weekly reflection and the weekly projection. I think that is one thing. So give your time and a place for weekly or daily and weekly reflection to live. Maybe you do it after your meal prep. Maybe you do it at night in a journal next to your bed when you get into bed. You need to implement this inside your life. The last thing, the last habit that I want you to do, and this isn't, this can, this is normally is a habit that can be implemented after an anchor point, which is when we talked about earlier, stimulus and response. When there's negative stimulus inside your life that takes you from a high frequency person, which makes best choices for the best version of you into low frequency, which makes you, I want to feel good in the moment decision um, choices, which is like eating chocolate bars, drinking alcohol, trying blunt emotions, or just not going to the gym because I'm too tired because we've had a long day at work. So when we look at it, there's a, there's a thing called flipping the switch. And I'll need you to go, okay, I need to learn how to flip the switch. 
and I need to identify things that push me into a low frequency. And I actually have on my watch, I have an alarm and it's been going off for years and it goes off three times a day. It goes off at 9am, it goes off at 11am, it goes off at 1pm. And it just, it's a, it's a conscious reminder for me. Am I at a high frequency? Okay. I uh, just turn it off. It's like bang goes off high frequency. And if I'm not at a high frequency, I'm like, okay, I need to flip the switch. I need to get out of essentially being a low state person who then makes low state decisions where I don't move. I don't get my steps. And if I don't do that, the carry on effect is not good for me. So how do I get into a high frequency? Well, motion equals emotion. So if normally I'm a low frequency when one, something negative, a negative stimulus has come into my life and I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed, or if I've had like an argument with my partner or if I'm being sit sitting down for too long. So what I need to do is I need to get up and I move. So I go for a walk. I clear my head. I do a hundred burpees. I do 10 burpees. I do 50 burpees, whatever you can do. We want to get blood flowing because if we get blood flowing, we've all of a sudden created motion into my life. And I've got blood flow, motion will then create a new emotion and I've moved out of that current state. And then you can chuck a smile on your dial, right? Because if we're smiling, like one, happiness creates smiling and also smiling creates happiness, right? It just does. So we chuck a smile on it. We just punch out 20 burpees, punch out 30 burpees, and then just chuck a cheesy ass smile on your face and hold that for 60 seconds. One, it will change your state because you'll feel like an absolute dick. Um, if you're in the middle of public by doing your 30 burpees, you sit on the ground in the middle of public. Um, or you're just going to feel good from doing it because you've changed your state. You put in positive emotions and you flip the switch. So movement. There can be a song that also helps flip the switch. Okay, that. Or it could be a video that you've done to yourself. And whenever you need to flip the switch, you watch this video. And it's like, dude, you are Travis Jones. Like you are a facilitator of change. Everything in your life that you can create is up to you. Like you are awesome. And it's, not, it's just a level of self-confidence that you can repeat back to yourself. It's reminding yourself, no matter what, in hard times, you step up, you don't break because you keep your goals at top of mind. And remember your goals are to be a role model for your kids, to be a leader for the other dads. And this is what you do. So you choose the best version of you in this moment. I think if we can learn to flip the switch and stay at a higher frequency, these habits we're trying to implement into our life are so much easier when we feel great. Because no one goes and eats all the chocolate and sits on the couch when they feel amazing, right? They normally do it when they start to feel down or something's going wrong because we're trying to blunt the emotions going in our lives. So our goal is to try and stay at the high frequency, which is the best version of us. And I think those are the last two things I really wanted to drop into this podcast today, mate. Yeah. Um, look, nothing further from me. I think that is a really good place to leave it and, um, and summarize it as, as, yeah, just consciously make that decision day in, day out. Well, we've talked about it before. What would the highest and best version of myself do in this moment? And yeah, basically you're just giving yourself a vibe check, right? Am I, am I, am, am I like vibe check? I have that as your screensaver on your phone. Um, just to remind yourself every couple of minutes, like, right? Get your, you know, get your head right. And it gets easier over time. All the habits get easier over time. But if you can do the hard work for that short period of time, that 21 days, that 60 days, that 16 weeks, whatever it is to install the complexity of the habits that you're trying to do, if you can do that hard work, that benefits you for the rest of your life. It pays dividends for a very, very long time, but you're going to be paying for not doing it for a hell of a lot longer. And it's going to be a hell of a lot worse at the end of the day. So you're just saying, what choice are you making? That's the, uh, that's the, the crux of it all. And I think when we're looking at habits, we did talk about today, proximity to people who are doing what you want to do 
Okay, that is one of the key things because it's an environment. So if you're a proximity online around people who are doing what you want to do and there's that common humanity, these are guys doing it so I can do it. And then we have accountability. Someone that I respect who can role model the way to show me and guide me how to do it in the simplest format possible without quick fixes and random fad diets and crazy ass training. But I'm training three to four times a week with a structured program that takes 30 to 45 minutes and I can still have a beer or eat the food that I enjoy, but it's with inside a calorie control plan. So it's proximity and accountability. Those are the two crucial factors to success. And if you want that, go to fit-dad.club, book in a strategy call. Or reach out to Jace or me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, like just reach out to us, like book in a call where we can break down what's currently holding you back, where you want to go and the changes that need to happen and how we would help you lose 10, 20, 30, 40 kilos to change the trajectory of your life. That's fit-dad.club. Um, or reach out to us and let us help you facilitate this year to be your best year ever. And. That's it for today, guys. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, y'all.